0: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.
1: For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons. All handpicked from family farms, then blended to perfection and cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard, so is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois.
2: All right, welcome to Fit the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher. Today, we're going to talk about the Memorial with Brad Thomas. But to start off, let's bring in Gintic and talk about Roland Garros, uh, the activity in Paris. Uh, Our wake and cash bets. Stefanos Tsitsipas uh, played better than I think either of us anticipated. He made short work of RCB, so we didn't get the over 33 and a half games home, but Dasha, your girl, Dasha Kasatkina, <laughs> uh, who's now thirty-seven to one to win the whole damn thing. Uh, she took care of uh, Vondrasova, 6-3, 6-4. She does make hard work of it, Kasatkina. Uh, her serve is uh, is not the most fun to cheer for, but uh, but she got it done. What did you make of the games this morning?
3: Dasha. Yeah, Casa Yeah, it's uh, it wasn't so much a cash for me as it was a surveyed the damage. Um <laughs> There were some there were some tough ones on uh, my card this morning. Uh, Journeyman Sebastian Offner taking Seb Corda out in straight sets did not see that coming. Uh, And then uh, yeah, on the women's side, uh, I thought there was a realistic chance Ostapenko was going to make a run in this tournament. She is now out. Uh, Elise Mertens played pretty darn well. Uh, Switalina avoided the upset. Um, Samsonova just an absolute. Bizarre collapse against Uh, uh and then uh, yeah, it's it it hasn't been super great, uh, you know, as far as uh, the betting results so far. But I like uh, sort of the way the tournament is shaping up. There's a lot of interesting ways to attack right now, and um, and I gotta just say, like, even before getting into this morning's results, man, I don't know if you watched much yesterday, but um, probably one of the coolest moments in tennis of the entire year, maybe in a while, uh, was the uh, the night match. Uh, between um, uh, Sebastian Baez, who's a very, very good player, You know, know, very good player. Takes on Gael Monfils, who we just haven't seen much of. And Monfils, you know, in the fifth set, cramping down 4-0, manages to fight his way back to win 7-5. One of the cooler moments, just based on the crowd getting behind him and, the, you know, how much it meant to him, because this is probably his last run here. I mean, if not his last run, the last run where he's realistically winning matches here. And, you know, this wouldn't have happened a few years ago because they didn't have lights on philip Chatrier, J. they made them stop playing when it was dark at 9 30 or 10 or whatever uh and they finally have light so we got to see some primetime tennis and the crowd really helped Malfi's get across the line which was which was cool because anyone who's been watching tennis for more than a few years gal monfils has a special place in your heart because he's the most entertaining tennis player on tour he's he's just an uh, incredible showman incredible shot making uh and uh, that was quite cool seeing him win from uh, the comeback against baez yesterday yeah, I'm
2: not sure we've ever spoken about this, but Sebastian Baez uh, caused me one of my biggest ever losses, or at least uh, loss of potential winnings, where at uh, ATP Bastard last season, I uh, had him at 20 to 1 to win the whole thing. He takes care of team and Rublev, and he looks amazing. Baez is a fantastic player on clay to watch, just with his ground strokes and his trickery. He's very small, so he doesn't have a massive serve, but he just gets everything back. And then he jumps minus 250 in the final against. Uh, uh, Francisco Surungelo, I want to say. yeah. yeah. and uh, Baez uh, is in control of the first set that has like seven set points on Surungelo's <laughs> serve, blows it, blows the tie break, and then just falls to pieces. And uh, yes. the 21 goes up in flame, never had anything the other side. So thanks for that one, Sebastian. Yeah,
3: uh, y- yesterday was, uh, you know, it was... Uh, what do you call it? The déjà vu all over again, Jay. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. minus eight. He was minus eight hundred, breaking uh, Gale for five-four lead in the fifth set, uh, and then uh, lost seven-five. Yeah, he's got a. Bias <laughs> has got a little bit of the Boston Celtics uh, in his game. <laughs> with it feels
2: like he turns everyone into Jimmy Butler down the stretch. Uh, but I digress. Uh, before we bring in Brad, anything in the outright market? Um, after the first results It's interesting Obviously Daniil Medvedev Goes mm-hmm. down uh, In stunning fashion You really could have lost that In straight sets Ends yeah. up losing In five uh, And then on the women's side Kujikova goes down Which makes the draw A little bit easier For Eager. But I think the big thing From yesterday Was that Well the past couple of days Iga doesn't look great uh, Rabakina doesn't look great Sabalenka looks great Ons Jabeur looks great um, But what do you think Of the outright at the moment?
3: Yeah, I think uh, Q. So you know, Iga's price got a lot shorter for Q one and for the uh, you know for the championship, and that makes sense because Q one, which was all like it was a who's who of this is going to be a very difficult uh, for her to get out of this corner quarter, quarter. Well, now all of a sudden, like it's looking pretty soft. She may ultimately have to place play a uh, Mira Andriva, who might be one of the up and coming future world number one on the women's side like that. She has that level of ceiling. Uh, uh, other than that, uh, you know, a lot of her other competition in the quarter has gone out. Uh, Q2 looks Looks definitely bet against the favorite, and that, in my opinion, and we'll get to that in a moment because I think uh, Rabakina is in for a little bit of a test tomorrow morning, um, and that should open the door for our girl Uh She looked physically fit. She looked very, very sharp in her opening match. It was not an easy match at all. Like that was a, um, you know, that was a tough draw for her to get that in round one, considering how little she's played. The Bronzetti, coming off of a title, uh, could not produce any winners. John's Jabbord was amazing. Uh, and so, yeah, she's absolutely live to win Q2. Um, if something happens to you, either via injury or just a general insane upset, then Anz Jabbord could be your top half representative in the final against the likes of Sabalenka. Um, best tennis I've seen so far in this tournament has been Sabalenka still. Um, and I think she realistically would be the only bet to make in the futures market if you're just going to take one shot because she's still in the plus 400, plus 500 range, which you know, should probably be closer to 250. Um, and you know, I think again, it's not incredible to think that this could still come down to Ega versus Sabalenka in the final. Um, but uh, yeah, it the Ozjobor is worth considering at this price. Q3 still wide open. Take a long shot. Take you know, swing, swing for the fences. There, uh, that's still by far the weakest quarter. And uh, in some, you know, in some regards, uh, Elise Mertens kind of stands out in terms of price. There, she should probably be co-favorite or favorite. So, um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how uh, this all unfolds. But uh, Anz Jabor for me is rating up. Uh, and uh, yeah, you have to have to ding Ega a little bit for what we've seen so far.
2: Yeah, deja vu all over again. Uh, as they say, riding with Ons <laughs> Uh need to. Uh, yeah, I, it's a th- there's a thing that, uh, like, if she wins a Grand Slam, I just I need to be on Ons Jabeur for that I need to, uh, to avenge uh, both Wimbledon and the U.S. Open last year. It's the, the two irrational things that I have are needing to be on Ons Jabeur at a Grand Slam uh, if she's anything resembling value, because I need to write that wrong. And then also, if Jonathan Taylor is ever going to win Offensive Player of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> after uh, my Stephanie the one went down in 2021 which uh, clearly I'm very over uh, and have progressed past uh, what about the men's side uh, where Medvedev going down opens it up a little bit uh, Alcaraz uh, is handling his business at the moment uh, as we speak uh, and he's still plus 140 clear favourite ahead of Djokovic plus 225 uh, Olga there and Yannick Stinner uh, the draws opened up a little bit for them Casper rude, 14 to one. Couldn't feel good about that. Uh, but what do you make of this?
3: Yeah. So the big winner so far in terms of win and share equity is Mr. Yannick Center. Um, his quarter, which was kind of a 50-50 toss-up between him and Medvedev. Well, now it's like a 67-33 toss-up between him and Zverev. And that's going to be before the quarterfinal. So presumably, uh, you know, Sinner with a little less damage takes care of business against uh, Sasha Zverev uh, and moves on to defeat whoever comes out of the bottom half of that mess of a Of a fourth quarter uh, and on to a semifinal where he's going to face the winner of a third quarter that's going to be pretty battered and bruised. Uh, Rune, I don't think is a fair price. It's plus 650. Um, He looked fine at moments, but he's playing way too much tennis, way too much time on the court. He does not need to be extending these uh, matches to the degree that he is, and I think he's going to take a you know, he's going to face a tough test. He's got to play Gael Monfils. It's going to be uh, under the lights on Philippe Chatrier. And I got to tell you what, man, that crowd is going to be against Rune. And he is a little bit of a, you know, mental kind of wild card. So uh, is getting booed and getting, uh, you know, kind of the French, uh, you know, the, the French scorn uh, under the lights against uh, their hero is going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to have the stomach to go with Monfils, considering the fact that he was cramping so bad that he was limping between points um in that fifth set but uh I think realistically Rune's he's just played too much tennis and at some point his luck's gonna run out so uh the big upgrade though for me would be Sissipas uh going back to my wake and cash uh loser uh Sissipas hit more almost two to one more winners than unforced errors uh in a match where he did not really have um uh, you know a ton of Openings and opportunities. uh, He was just absolutely precise. Um, And when he's playing that degree of tennis, when he's, you know, when his depth is, is, uh, is that dialed in and when he has that much shot making, uh, I think that actually spells a little bit of trouble for Alcaraz. Alcaraz has kind of picked, uh, picked apart Sissapas' game. Uh, particularly on clay Uh, Barcelona comes to mind where it was literally one way traffic for Alcaraz. Um, But Sissipas playing this well is going to be a tough out. And I think that actually opens up even more win equity possibility for Djokovic because Djokovic, I don't think is losing to Sissipas. Uh, But if, but if Sissipas takes Alcaraz to the five in the quarterfinal, really does some damage there. Then I think that tilts the balance even more in favor of the, uh, of the, 21-time Slam champion uh, Novak Djokovic.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, ultimately, it still feels like your winner is going to be Alcaraz or Djokovic, whoever uh, is representing that side of the draw in the final. It's weird to me that, I mean, the women's side almost feels more wide open and that's the, that's the the side where um, you've got the odds-on favourite uh, in Eager, but she seems a little bit more vulnerable um, than typical uh, and with the way that is playing and then Rebecca and ons as well. Uh, and then also just women's tennis is more prone to throwing up fluke results given that it's best of three sets instead of best of five. So um, we will keep checking in on that. But let's get to our wake and cash bets. Uh, we went one and one, but... Dasher was plus 200, so we're up Um, combined (laughs) overall. uh, What have you got for Thursday morning?
3: Yeah, so I'm going to go back to the women's side. uh, And I'm looking for Linda Noskova, uh, the Czech wunderkind. Uh, She is a former junior champion here at Roland Garros. And we're not talking like... You know, in 2012, 2013, no, in 2021, uh, she was the best of a very, very talented junior's class. Uh, and now she takes on the robot uh, and is plus, seven, plus 475 uh, seventy five, which I do not think is a fair price. My fair price here is um, uh, minus 400 for Robot 400 for Noskova. So I'm going to sprinkle a little bit of money line here on, uh, on the Czech teenager. Uh, but the better bet for me is going to be plus five and a half games. I got that at minus 101. I think this is a relatively tight contest. I don't think Rubakina has the return game uh, to really frustrate Noskova, and, and uh, this is going to potentially take three sets to decide, and again, Rubakina on upset alert for me. So uh, let's go Noskova. Let's get that plus five and a half games home uh, and get me on the board.
2: Yep, I like it. I think Rubakina is a little bit overrated overall right now just because she did win in Rome, but she only had to finish three of the six matches that she played because three uh, of her opponents retired, uh, including Iga Sviantec. All right, I'm going to go with the big serving Chilean, Nicholas Jarry, uh, minus one and a half games against your countryman, Tommy Paul. Tommy Paul not playing particularly well uh, at the moment. Uh, he had a good hard court season, but on clay he's coming off losses against guys like Brandon Nakashima uh, in straight sets. Uh, losses to to Garen and Andy Murray recently. He's just not playing his best tennis. Uh, meanwhile, Jarry is on an absolute tear coming off a win uh, in Geneva, beating guys like Kasparud and Zverev and Dimitrov, uh, So I think that he is just in better form at the moment. He's rightfully favoured uh, and minus one and a half games for Jarry uh, at minus 120. Uh, what do you think of this matchup?
3: Uh, I like that bet. And uh, there's very few players in 2023 who are playing better tennis than Nicholas Jerry compared to what he's showed in the last handful of years. He had a lot of uh, potential coming up as a young a young player and, uh, and then dealt with injuries the last couple of years. And then all the, you know, he's one of, I think, three or maybe four people who have two titles on tour this year. He won Santiago and then backed it up, as you mentioned, with a a Geneva championship. So uh, congratulations to Mr. Jari. And I think do some damage here, buddy. Make a little bit of a run. Like this, his portion of the draw could uh, open up a little bit here if he can find his, uh, you know, some winning form. Uh, And now I don't ultimately think not. You know what? I think he wins this match. He's going to the quarterfinals. I really do. I think he's I like the it. highest rated player that I have uh, on the bottom half of uh, Q3. Um, and that's just because I, I have an especially significant downgrade on Casper uh, Rude. So, yeah, if Jerry takes care of business here, I think he's, uh, he's 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 looking at week two.
2: Yep. I like it. All right, let's go, Nicholas. Let's take care of business tomorrow morning. All right, before we bring in Brad Thomas, a reminder to download the RotoWorld World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today.
1: For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois.
0: If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because,
3: If I ask for help, They'll just think I'm weak.
1: Then this is your sign to call. Text or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.
2: All right, from the red clay of Roland Garros to the lush green of Muirfield Village Golf Club, bring in Brad Thomas, the handicap. The Memorial, thanks for joining us, Brad. Uh, What should we know about this course and this tournament uh, as we look to bet it?
0: Yeah, it's another designated event, uh, Jack Nicholas' course, Merrifield. It's another very difficult course, par 72, uh, 7,500 yards. It's a tree-lined Parkland course. So basically you're gonna think about guys who are really accurate off the tee. And since the 2020 renovations, it's actually become more difficult. So the par fives are a little bit longer. They lengthen the course to try to beat it. Jack wanted his very own kind of Augusta. Um, So basically what that means is it's going to be difficult, but it's going to reward the competitors, the golfers who want to go out there and try to beat the golf course. That's why you might see a lot of people talk about around the green numbers here. If you're going to be aggressive at this course, you're going to get rewarded. If you're not going to be aggressive, you're going to have to get up and down a lot more than you want. Um, it's going to be just like the last two courses that we played, Oak Hill and Colonial, with that very penal rough. The rough here is going to be, I'd I, I, uh, say it's more like Colonial with grabby rough, where it's going to grab your club on those long irons, so you're going to want to hit fairways. But what's interesting to note is the fairways here are actually wider. So you're not necessarily looking for driving accuracy as a metric. You're actually looking for the good drives gain. Uh, the difference between the two driving accuracy just talks about the percentage that you hit fairways. Good drives gains talked about how many fairways you hit or how narrowly you miss the fairways. So basically, if you miss the fairway by a yard, you're not going to be as punished as if you miss the fairway by four yards. That difference in rough length in the first cut in, in the four inch rough is going to be enough to to actually bring bogey into play. Um, But this is going to be a fun tournament. The field is stacked and there are a lot of guys who play really well here.
3: That's fascinating. And I got to tell you, looking at sort of the recent winners, um, these are no, you know, these are these are the world elites. Uh, two from Patrick Cantley in 2021 and 2019. John Rahm, of course, took home 2020's, uh, uh, you know, a version of the event. Uh, Bryson Bryson DeChambeau back in 2018 when he was, you know, realistically threatening for majors, and of course Billy Horschel last year, <laughs> uh, bringing home the biggest prize of them all uh, in 2022 as they elevated the event in terms of prize money. Um, so I guess what I'm getting at here is if the favorites are in general coming through here at the Memorial uh, should be, is it worth looking past uh Scheffler and ROM or is six to one and plus seven fifty a little bit too rich for uh, getting involved.
0: You know, difficult courses. I'm always about playing the chalk. Um, I didn't go super chalk on this one because I think we can beat ROM, but it makes sense. Why ROM is so good here. Uh, a comp course that I had for Murrayfield was Torrey Pines, a little Torrey Pines mixed with a little Bay Hill. And this might sound crazy, um, mixed with a little bit of the course played out in uh, Phoenix at the Phoenix Open, uh, TPC course out there, because while it's not the thick rough, you don't want to be playing from the desert. And the score, the the scoring, and the the ask of ball striking is very similar. Well, who is the king of Torrey Pines? That's John Rahm. But one difference that I noticed in John Rahm, as we continue to watch his game evolve, he's lost strokes off the tee a couple times. He's ranked right now fifty second. Stroke and, and strokes game off the tee in his last 36 rounds. So, if there's any like small little uh, like thing I could say bad about John Rom's game and why we can fade him, it's that. But we have to keep in mind that there's a reason that John Rom, Scotty Scheffler, Scotty number one in the world, John Rom, number two in the world, there's a reason why Scotty Scheffler is absolutely killing it. Scotty Scheffler has had the most uh, strokes game tee to green in every event in his last 15 events, he's won two of those. If his putter is even remotely hot, he's going to win this event. John Rahm, outside of his blemish, his 50 plates finish at the PJ Championship has been unbeatable. But I do think there's a chance to beat these guys, and it could be the pricing. But if you want to ask me realistically, if I want to go and and take Patrick Cantlay at 11 to one, 10 to one, I can't do it. Um, It's just really difficult when if you take a John Rahm at at seven and a half, right, and you. You talk about his win equity and this is no disrespect to to Patrick Cantlay because Patrick Cantlay feels like he wins the BMW every year. feels like he wins a tour championship every year. And then he always scatters one in that's three tournaments a year. That's very good win equity. I'm talking (laughs) about a guy like John Rahm, who's winning consistently. He has a higher win equity. You take a, a boost and put it on John Rahm. You get odds closer to what? Nine and a half to one. What's the difference between nine and a half to one and 10 to one on a guy who has higher win equity. So I, I just can't get behind Patrick Cantley. I did play Cantley in some creative ways. Um, I don't always recommend finding parlay legs, but I put them on my Twitter all the time. Uh, so right now we're sitting with Patrick Cantley at uh, what? I think it was 22 to one. That's a price I, I'm very down to play.
2: I like it. All right. Well, we talked about some of the big names in Rahm, Scheffler, and Cantley. Anyone further down
0: the board, Brad, that you like uh, with a bit of value? Yeah, I'm not going to go too much further down. I'm going to go with Victor Hovland. Um, yep. At this time last year, actually about two weeks this time last year, so before the PGA Championship, there was one thing that kept being said about one golfer who went on to win the PGA Championship. That's Justin Thomas. Is He's the best iron player in the world right now. All he does is consistently play well. He's not getting the wins, but he's consistently top 10, top 5, top Solo second, T second. Who's another guy that we're saying that about now? Victor Hovland. We're saying he's the best iron player in the world. And what's even more remarkable is this dude has been absolutely killing it at some of the most difficult courses. Bay Hill, TPC Sawgrass, Augusta National, Oak Hill Colonial, all great results. Uh, you might want to worry about his scrambling per- percentage, right? And, I, and that's a knock that we say about Victor Hovland often. But sometimes I think we overblow it. And why I say that is, if a golfer, if a golf course is statistically saying forty-four percent scrambling percentage, which is the per- scrambling percentage here, that just means everyone else is going to come down a little bit. Like the winners here had like a fifty-eight percent scrambling percentage. So if Victor Hovland, who has a forty-two percent scrambling percentage, can somehow get to that fifty percent mark, he's going to have a chance to win. And one last thing on Hovland, like if your guy is is having to scramble twenty-five times in a tournament, he's not winning anyway. I don't care how many times he gets up and down. You want a guy who's scrambling like 13 to 16 times. That's what the winning scrambling number is going to be.
2: Yep, that makes sense to me. All right, Drew, anything else that you like? Any
3: other angles um, that you're looking at in this tournament? Man, I've been so dialed on the French Open. I was just looking to pick Brad's brain to be honest with you. But uh, I think really really and truly a very sound point you're making on Hovland. And, uh, you know, I was looking – I was shopping his top 20 prices. I'm seeing it. A little bit in the minus uh minus odds here minus 135 probably got a pass on that but uh uh yeah he's definitely uh you know playing well enough right now to be given due consideration um and uh yeah i mean I, you know there's got to be another kind of other longer price in your book what else you got
0: yeah i have two um and one i'm gonna go and i'm not gonna talk about too long but it's cory connors uh Aww. if we think about cory connors the thing that's so great about him is he's such a great ball striker, right? He gains a ton of strokes on approach. When Patrick Cantley won this event, he had missed four straight cuts. And then the week before, he finished T23. Uh well, two weeks before, he finished T23 at the PGA Championship and then went on to win the memorial. But what was so funny about what Patrick Cantley did in that run was it, was it, five straight events? He had lost strokes on approach heading up to the PGA, and he went out, he went out and gained plus seven point nine strokes on approach at the PGA, and then went on to win this tournament. Right now, we look at at Corey Connors. Corey Connors had struggled earlier in the season, ended up winning Valero, and then he was leading at the PGA, and then had a catastrophic meltdown. Honestly. If you have a catastrophic meltdown at a major championship, I don't care because he's going to gain strokes on approach. He's going to gain strokes on on the tee. And the last guy I'm going to give you, Hideki Matsuyama. I actually opened this poll up. I had three golfers that I really liked and JT, Jordan Speed, and Hideki Matsuyama. I opened the poll up on Twitter. Who should I bet? But I needed to know reasons why. And the reasons why is because he's had success here. He's a guy whose price is absolutely elevated. He's over 40 to 1, 45 to 1. I think I locked him at 48 to 1 versus a 30 and a 35. And he's another great ball striker who plays difficult courses very well.
2: Yep. I like it. All right, Brad. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, everyone can follow Brad on Twitter at MrBradThomas. What else are you
0: working on this week, Brad? Yeah, so we're going to uh, finish up the Memorial Breakdown. I'll have some top 20 plays. They're not going to be super juicy like last week, even though we cashed them all, but the small bet. And we're going to start breaking down the new teams in the Premier League. Talk about Luton Town. How exciting.
2: Luton Town, chat, Nothing better. Uh-huh. Than, I think they're <laughs> minus 250 to get relegated. <laughs> it's very, uh, very grim, but hopefully they can uh, stick around. All right, Brad, thanks so much for your time. We'll uh, speak to you soon. Have a good one, guys. Cheers. All right, just a reminder, Drew, Sunday morning means MLB lead-off. Watch exclusive live games all season long on Peacock. This week, check out an NL Central battle between the Cardinals and the Pirates in Pittsburgh. Both teams stunningly live for that division. Catch the action live this Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern. All right, Drew, before we close out, anything else that's on your card? Anything else that's on your mind?
3: Yeah. So yesterday, uh, did a lot of soul searching, a lot of deeper kind of evaluating of the, uh, NBA finals after we talked to Curt and Vaughn and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm staked up on nugget sweep. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's. Uh, it's not looking good for the heat i don't really know how to say it but uh they're the this particular kind of degree to which i think they're drawing dead in game one i only think you can really capture value by getting nuggets down pre-series i think waiting for it is you're just going to end up wishing you had done a pre-series you know kind of bigger bigger bet on something crazy like winning all four and uh you know i i again like Michael Porter Jr., top scorer is a fun one we talked about yesterday. I staked that. I got in the f- uh, 38 to 1 range, uh, decent sized bet. Um, and then, uh, yeah, game one, it's going to be all nuggets for me. I think I'm going to take some nuggets team total over uh, in addition to laying the points. And um, uh, yeah, first half, full game, first quarter, all of it.
2: Yeah. Unfortunately, I need the heat uh, in this series because uh, pretty much all my nuggets' equity was uh, to win the West because I figured that they would be a dog on average in the finals given they didn't have home court against Milwaukee, Boston or Philly and obviously only one of those three teams was ever going to come out of the East. Uh, but here <laughs> we are and uh, I've got my heat, uh, I think 20-1, to 26-1 the upper range uh, when they were – Beating the Knicks weirdly, I felt better about the Heat before they won the Boston series, which doesn't sound like it makes sense, but I just felt that there was maybe a bit more variance to the team before the Boston series, and then the Boston series just kind of confirmed the idea that they are a very solid, very respectable, probably like it, the you know the caliber of team. That they were last season when they won what 53 games and were a one seed, but we're also you know three and a half point dogs in Game Seven at home to Boston. That's that's the team that they are, and I think that the Nuggets are a juggernaut uh, and are a fair bit better than that. So I I would be stunned if Miami win this series, um, even more so than them beating boston just because boston like we talked about yesterday boston and milwaukee are two teams where their offense offenses can really go in the tank mm-hmm. and denver's offense just can't uh Jokic is just too good uh i have no idea what Vulture is going to scheme up to try and stop him but excited to see uh it's going to be painful rooting for max Strus and caleb martin uh against the best player in the world but uh this is uh this is the place i'm in uh yeah. and yeah, I got a ton of meat on the bone on the Nuggets minus five hundred, but uh, yeah, I do think the sweep. I do think four one. I think Nuggets minus two and a half series handicap. If you can get around north of plus one thirty on that, uh, I think that those are those are all bets because I suspect this is going to be a short series. But I hope Jimmy and Spo have something something up their sleeve for me. Um, last thing I want to say before we close out uh, is just that. With live betting, um, these games, I wanted to mention this yesterday and it slipped my mind. When Tatum turned his ankle uh, on the first play of the game seven, live market basically didn't react outside of a couple yeah. of places. And that is just something to watch whenever you're betting live, that it's very difficult to price that stuff in in real time if you're a trader. And the way that these live markets work is they run off the model of whatever the pre-match closing line was. Uh, and it just runs off of that. And then a trader oversees it. And if a guy gets seriously hurt and has gone to the locker room, then they will make a manual adjustment in real time. Or if it's a football game and there's weather that wasn't forecast, they'll make a manual adjustment. And you go into the model basically and change the pre-match closing line. And then the model runs off that new number. When Jason Tatum sprains his ankle but stays in the game and kind of looks okay at first but doesn't, like it's very difficult to make that adjustment in real time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was pretty clear when he started limping around that he wasn't the same guy. Uh, And so, someone who was uh, heavily staked on Boston to win that series uh, was able to get out a little bit. Still wasn't a great result overall, but um, that's just one thing to look out uh, for with live betting these lines because live markets just aren't as efficient um, as the match markets.
3: I want to add one thing we're in the later stages of the playoffs, which means guys are going to play through it.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Uh, And be a little bit less effective Exactly Uh,
3: Yeah (laughs) Yeah.
2: And and Tatum Tatum couldn't do anything in the second half uh, Where it seemed like it stiffened up on him At halftime and then he was just basically done And took, what, 13 shots In 42 minutes And uh, and the Miami Heat are in the finals As a result, we'll uh, talk Plenty more about the finals um, coming up. But for now, uh, we are done. So don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks, everyone, watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to rate and subscribe to us. Go Linda Noskova. Go Nicholas Jarry. We'll check in tomorrow. Good luck with your bets. Uh, We'll see you soon.
1: How about Captain Crunch's crunch berries with breakfast? Whoa, Dad, we're on A Crunch Island. He's John foot,
0: And he stole our crunch! Quick, the zip line! He's getting away! Throw our last Crunch Berry! No! No one steals my Crunch Berries. I think you mean
3: my Crunch Berries. Choose your own Crunch Venture with Cap'n Crunch. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate
1: here. Let's see, so... No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it! You stumped this charming devil!